This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. One story every day that matters. Delve into the issues that impact you. Whether you're in need of a better understanding of the world around you or simply seeking inspiration or unique perspectives, you'll find it all here. It's often said that a society can be judged by how it treats its most vulnerable. Sadly, our country's track record in protecting those most in need is hardly stellar. Who can forget the life Esidemeni tragedy in which 144 psychiatric patients died while in the care of the Gauteng government, haphazardly relocated from private mental health facilities operated by long-term provider Life Esidemeni into state institutions, they died in the space of around nine months. Hundreds of other patients were exposed to torture and starvation. Not learning from history, though, means mistakes are bound to be repeated. Now, seven years later, NGOs looking after the province's most vulnerable are again facing uncertainty and, possibly, tragedy. 70 kilometers outside Pretoria, on the edges of Sochanguve, lies the Winterfeld. Most children here grow up in severe poverty. A decade ago, Karina Huesen felt the call to help and founded the Yabana Children's Village. They're coming from very difficult backgrounds. Many of them have been abused or neglected or they orphaned. Karina runs various programs designed to help rehabilitate the children. It speaks to their emotions because they can live their emotions out through the dancing. We also have gymnastics, we've got soccer, we've got chess, we've got art. Now this is what proper welfare looks like. Dancing is being used as a tool to develop these children who have been rejected by society. But if it's up to government, these children may soon stop dancing. Yabana is one of about 27,000 not-for-profit organizations in Gauteng, taking care of the vulnerable and employing over a million people. Most of these NGOs rely on the Provincial Department of Social Development, or DSD, for financial support. But in April this year, DSD announced that funding will be slashed by 61%. Not everybody will receive funds. Some will receive and others won't. MEC Mbali Shope made the shock announcement without any warning or consultation. We were left in a situation where we had no money to carry on. Operationally, we were cut off at the knees. Gert Jonker is a veteran welfare sector man with over 25 years of experience on the provincial and national level. The sector does not have the financial resources to carry on rendering services um, in the absence of government funding. The announcement sent tremors through the province. We were stunned because it takes away about more than 40% of our total income um, for the organization. At the West Rand Home for People with Disabilities, Annalene Rousseau and her residents received the news with horror. Cutting their funding would mean shutting down the 78-year-old organization. So 
some of these residents have been with us basically since they turned 18 and they're now in their 50s. So this is their home. Annelin has devoted her life to helping disabled people. Her biggest wish is for society to understand the plight of the invisibly disabled. We sometimes isolate these people because we don't want to be confronted with this. There can be an accident that leaves your family member dependent on somebody to look after them in future. Um, so it actually is something that concerns every citizen in this country. It's a full-time commitment for Annaline. Some of them function on a level of a six, seven-year-old child. You need to watch them constantly. Government support for centres like Annaline's is crucial, but the department's budget cut erases the invisible people Annaline refers to from its balance sheet. Thousands of social work professionals and other people who work tirelessly to serve the needs of the community were simply kicking the teeth. The sector was in uproar. In some areas, NGOs render 100% of welfare services. But the provincial government needed money to fund other initiatives. When he took office last year, Gauteng Premier Banyaza Lesufi lumped together the Department of Social Development with the Department of Agriculture. Budgets become very opaque and there's opportunity for funds to be moved from one department's budget to another department's budget. And it seems the Premier and the new MEC had other priorities, alleviating homelessness and poverty by developing skills in agriculture. They um, explained to us that there was um, reprioritization of, of the funding criteria and areas, and um, that's why they cut on certain subsidies. Amidst the chaos around the NGO budget cuts, Le Sufi and Klope launched the Cleaner, Greener Gauteng initiative in townships. They employed 6,000 people to clean streets and plant vegetable gardens. We want those that are ready to serve our townships in former settlements and hostels. If you are ready, I'm going to make you beautiful. How much will the province dish out in salaries? It appears that the Premier and MEC have been selective in who they talk to. Our attempts to get answers proved fruitless. So I'm literally in the car on the way to the department for a sit-down interview with the MEC and they've cancelled. We've been trying to secure this interview for weeks now and they've been dodging a confirmation date and actually have passed the buck onto another department. Let's see if we can get our answers. The subscriber you have dialed is not available. The MEC, who has no background in social welfare or agriculture, believes the project will turn the poor into farmers. After this, they'll be able to make sure they do work within cleaning. They'll be able to do to know that they can get into agriculture and know how they can sustain themselves. We went to Tembisa, one of Gauteng's largest townships, to see the so-called Green Army for ourselves. No one on the ground seemed to know about the initiative. Cleaning up messes in townships across Gauteng may seem like low-hanging fruit and an easy way to garner votes in light of next year's elections. But taking care of the most vulnerable and the invisible in society may not get the same traction. 
The NGO sector warned Lesufi and Lope of blood on their hands if they cut budgets. Then, in a dramatic twist, they suddenly backtracked and reversed the announcement, calling it a misunderstanding. The reason why you have to meet with the leadership of the department so that we can understand, we can deal with this misunderstanding. There was no misunderstanding. This is simply DSD's attempt to move money around, to unilaterally change the budget. Lusufi instructed DSD to reinstate NGO budgets and find money elsewhere to fund new initiatives. Meanwhile, NGOs are still recovering from damage the announcement caused, despite DSD saying it had no effect on the welfare sector. We actually had to sell some of our assets just to make ends meet. A 16-seater combi that we used to go and fetch some of our beneficiaries. And we also um, sold one of our vehicles that our social workers used to go into the communities. Getting to the disabled people waiting on their daily visits is now a challenge. We also used to go and pick up some of them and bring them to the center where they received the meal. So if they don't receive that support, they've got no support. Government's true intentions may also have been revealed when amended contracts were sent to NGOs. You'll also find disclaimer that was added and the disclaimer simply says that government is not going to fund us next year in all likelihood. Um, so I think the writing is on the wall. And many NGOs did not receive renewed contracts. DSD held back funding to nearly 400. They now cite municipal compliance, like zoning and land rights, as a major requirement for funding. It was only recently that we heard that, you know, it's a precondition that you need to have approved building plans. According to Karina, compliance is used by DSD to withhold crucial funding. The golden thread through the Children's Act is that the best interest of the child is of paramount importance. That can never be denied and there can never be a red tape or whatever to stand in the way of the best interest of a child. For Yabana, this red tape makes no sense because 43 of the 55 children living here have been placed by DSD. Non-compliance is not related to anything that they have control over. It's simply poor governance um, by the local authorities. Uh, we actually coin it as malicious compliance. Karina is now forced to scale down on services for the children. And it seems clear that provincial government has no plans to continue NGO funding next year. The MEC herself said DSD plans to insource welfare services for the state to manage. Social welfare in Gauteng will collapse. The state doesn't have a capacity to render services by themselves. And for those who commit their lives every day to the vulnerable, the future remains uncertain. Amid confusion and political meddling, institutions looking after Gauteng's most vulnerable could be robbed of vital funding, with devastating consequences for the people in their care. That's another episode of Carte Blanche, the podcast, done and dusted. Remember to follow and subscribe to our show on Spotify and all other major podcasting platforms. 
have something to say? Join the conversation using hashtag carte blanche on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok.